Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week and more off-season intrigue as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 45. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with one of my favorite people on the planet, former Eagles wide receiver and current Eagles game plan co-host, and of course, the color commentator for the Eagles for 94 WIP, Mike Quick stops by to break down the wide receiver position from A to Z. Really, really enjoyed my discussion with Mike. Next up, we've got two technique where we're going to stick with the wide receiver theme as I catch up with Shea Azir Tutu, and we're going to talk about different releases for a wide receiver, one of the more underrated aspects of playing the position, in my opinion. And then lastly, we're going to close it all out with Saturday scouting. We're going to look through my notes on Eagles wide receiver Jordan Matthews and read his scouting report coming out of Vanderbilt. But before we get into all that, it's time to welcome in my favorite guy in the room, the man with a plan, my esteemed producer, Brian Thomas. What's up, PT? What's up, sir? How are you? Doing all right. It was... Uh, Got out on the golf course per se the other day. Obviously, it's it's not great weather here in Philadelphia, but got out to one of our favorite golf simulators and then took some cuts and tried out some new clubs on Sunday. There's not much you can do when there's uh, three or four inches of snow on the ground, but it's always nice to, to put a golf club in your hand <laughs> when you're in February or March. But uh, not much you can do with this weather right no. now. You got you got to have small battles when you can win them. B- BT and I uh, go golfing pretty routinely once the once, once we get nice into, out, once yeah. it gets nice out. So. Uh, very much looking forward to that. But so you did a, short, a piece on Jim Schwartz. Uh, uh, what's what's up with that? Tell me about it. Uh, I did. So basically, took took a look back on the Eagle Line Sky column. You can find it on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Stole up on the homepage. Did a very very thorough uh, expose, if you will, on the Jim Schwartz defense. I felt like there was a lot of misconceptions about the wide nine and you know the way that it, where it originated and what are its strengths and weaknesses. And it's all about attacking and getting after the quarterback trying to force as many big plays for the defense as possible. And that was very evident watching and studying that Buffalo Bills defense in 2014. I went back to 2013, the year before, when he was still the head coach in Detroit, just looking at the two defenses that he constructed when he was out there, when he was calling shots in Detroit, and then also when he was the defensive coordinator with the Bills. And just a very, very fun scheme to watch. A lot of very interesting aspects, whether it's the the games that they play in in the front four. And it's all about that pressure, getting pressure with the front four without sacrificing anything on the back end. So it's a very, very interesting scheme to watch and really try and break down. I'm very excited to see it all come together here in Philly. Just talking to Vinny when he came in after signing his presser, I was like, hey, man, back to a 4-3. And his, you know, his, his smile was ear to ear. And uh, Dave, funny, Dave asked me, he said, uh, it's about aggressiveness. He goes, that's my middle name. So there you go. It's, uh, it seems like a fun scheme where guys don't have to think as much. And like you said, they're just getting downhill. And everyone's just you know filling their responsibilities. And it's interesting because you think about the aspect of it. You know, what are, what are the big? What's the philosophy point? What is the mission statement? And you think like, you know, for those guys that are up front and those front four, if they're thinking, you don't want defensive linemen thinking. Yeah, you know, if, if they're thinking, they're the ones that are closest to the quarterback. If you're thinking, you're delaying the, the your path of the quarterback. Now, if you're just saying just go, they're, they're they've got the shortest distance from where they're currently at pre-snap to the quarterback. So now if you're letting them go and you're taking advantage of that first step, that athleticism, that explosiveness, I think it could really come into a big thing. You talked about Vinny Curry. He was drafted to play in this game. Fletcher Cox was drafted to, to play to in a wide nine. Right. So I'm very, very excited to and see And then you're talking about there. a quarterback trying to get the ball out in three seconds and you're trying to think right. while, you're, while you're trying to get there. You exactly. Know? And they always say what, what position is toughest for a rookie to come in. It, the easiest is probably uh, is probably – 
defensive lineman or defensive yeah. edge rusher because like you just say go get the quarterback especially you know? in this scheme especially in this scheme you know you're saying just go get the quarterback you're not worried about you know two gapping you're not worried about setting the edge you're just your job is go get the quarterback and everyone else will fill in off of that so I'm excited to see how this will work and uh, and we'll have new wrinkles to unfold during OTAs and training camp yep. where we're obviously watching the defense yep no question about it so go on check that check that out it's still on the homepage on PhiladelphiaEagles.com but let's get the rest of the show going I'm very very excited to get to my discussion with Mike Quick let's get this wide receiver themed episode going here with Chalk Talk Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me this week on Chalk Talk for the very first time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, uh, my good friend, I've gotten gotten a chance to know him over the course of the last few years, former Eagles wide receiver, Mike Quick. Mike, I appreciate the time today. Uh, how Friend, is... I just want to know, why is it taking so long? <laughs> That's a good question. I wish I had the answer for that. We've got to talk to BT about that and see why it's taking this long. But, um, you know, obviously this is uh, an important offseason here for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, you know, there's going to be all kinds of moves made. And I think fans are very excited to see what kind of changes will be made here in Philadelphia. But yep. uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you in today is just talk about, and this is something I'm going to be talking about often throughout the offseason, is just evaluation of certain positions. And today, obviously, you are our in-house expert for the wide receiver position and what teams are looking for, what scouts are looking for, and really, ultimately, what works on the football field. When these guys line up, what are some of the things that are important for this position in, in terms of productivity and really working inside the structure of an offense? So I know that one of your favorite things to do is when you come out to training camp, when you come out to mini camps every year, mm-hmm. you're focused on the young receivers. Yes. What, what, is, what are one of the first things that you're looking for when you see these guys on the field for the first time as Eagles? I like to – I keep it really simple. I like to, first of all, just watch a guy run. Watch how well he runs. Watch how comfortable he is in running. And um, that, to me, says a whole lot. And just simply running routes, getting in and out of his cuts – um, how much is he stressed in doing that? Is, is a guy running 100 miles an hour to run each route? Is he running uh, under control? At the top of the route, what does he look like? Does he give away signals at the top of his route? Um, and his running style, does he give away anything in his running style? Does he run with a lean? Does he run straight up? You know, I, I really will start with just the basics, and I'm sure the coaches, because they, they – see enough in the kid to bring him there they've already done all these things but I like to start at the very beginning and just look at a guy top to bottom and see what I truly like about him so what are some things and I know that uh this is something obviously you know since you've been here in Philadelphia for such a long time and you've been able to work with so many of these young receivers that they've bought in and, and just get a chance to talk with these guys you know both on the field and off the field as well away from the game and then you work, you're very close with Harold Carmichael, who has been with the team for a long time yep. and has also worked hand-in-hand hand with these receivers daily in practice. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some areas where you can see receivers improve throughout their career? And then what, I guess more importantly, what's one thing that you just know? Like if this guy can't do this, he, he's, he's not going to make it. Well, I, I, I think you have to be really tough. There are a lot of skilled guys. Once you get to this level, you have a certain amount of skill. Mm. There are a lot of skilled guys. But I think the rubber meets the road when you start to get into contact. Can you still be as skilled? Can you still focus on your route running? Can you still focus on all of the little things that you have to do 
and catch the ball, have the, sti- have the toughness to catch the ball when it's live action. So I- I've seen a lot of guys in uh, one-on-one drills and seven-on-seven drills, and they look like you know the next Jerry Rice. But once you put a helmet on them, once you, it's live contact, then guys start to shrink. And that's a problem. That's, you know, there are so many times when you can see guys with a lot of skills, but can they make those skills come out? Can they still have those same skills when it's live contact, when it's live stuff? And there's a huge difference in guys that can do that and cannot do that. And sometimes you're fooled by guys that can do that when it's not live. And that's what's funny is that, you know, throughout the next, the course of the next few months, we get to the, obviously, the, you have the All-Star Games in January, you have the Combine in February, yeah. you have the Pro Days, and all these numbers and all the, the, the talk of all the traits that make a successful wide receiver start to come to the surface. Yeah. Fans almost seem to lose focus of the fact that there is that mental side, that character side of it that Absolutely. is such a big factor. If you, you can run the 4-3, you can yep. jump 42 inches in the air, you can all do that. all these different things. That doesn't necessarily matter. That doesn't always transfer onto the field when it's time to play. And when you've, especially when you've been hit in the mouth a couple times. And one right. of the things that, and, and I'll go back to um, the year that Deshaun Jackson came to Philadelphia. And I watched him at training camp and I was in, I liked just about everything that I saw. And the one day that I really became a fan, I saw him just get flattened by one of the safeties. And, the way he got up, the way he was ready to go the very next play, like like it never happened, that made me a Deshaun Jackson fan. When I see that in guys, then I know that they're tough enough to play. A lot of guys can do it, and it's amazing how many guys that are really good at the collegiate level, and then when they get to this level, they have a lot of problems. And most times when they have the skills, and then when it, there's a big drop-off, it's because they don't have the mental capacity to handle it at this level be it not tough enough or the lights are too bright for them. And many times it's just that it's too big of a, an arena for them. The lights are too bright and they think about everything else other than uh, the fundamentals and the things that got you to where you are. So let's go, let's get to some other facets of the position. And one of the interesting debates is, and you know, really this is just a question fans will present often. What is the difference between hands and ball skills for a wide receiver. Just the you know the, the, just the difference when you talk about those two areas. Uh, sometimes guys have really good ball skills, but don't necessarily have the hands to finish. Some guys have good hands, but necessarily don't ha- don't have the ball skills. What are the differences between those two areas of the game? That's a great question, and I think I think it really fall, really gets down to this. Ball skills, you've got to be able. To, I think hands are just hands. You can. You can catch the ball when it's just catching a ball. But when you have ball skills, that means that um, it doesn't matter where the ball is, that you are able to make the adjustments with your body, with people around you, with all, all the chaos that happens within a ball game. When you got ball skills, you are still able to make plays because you have skills. You know how to adjust your body to the ball. You know how to... I watch guys who have the ability to slow up and have a defender run up on them, run down their back so that they can catch the ball at a certain position. That's ball skills. I've watched guys who can hold a defender off with one hand and make sure that the defender has to go through them, that that he can't get to the ball. And then at the last instant, 
they extend and make the catch. That's having ball skills. That's a lot different from just catching the ball. I think anybody can catch a ball. I can teach anyone to catch a ball. But the the ball skills, some of that stuff is just a gift. And that's that, what that I wanted to ask have. you. That's what I wanted to ask you was how much of it is natural, is an innate skill, yeah. whereas some is, is, I should say, an innate talent. That's a natural, you know, God-given yep. thing, as opposed to a skill where you can learn that and improve it. Uh, obviously, drops were a big issue for the Eagles uh, this past season. Yep. Uh, you know, is that something that you can work on and try and improve throughout your career? A- absolutely. And I think it's something that guys should always work on. And, you know, I, I said this about um, – the guy in New York, Odell Beckham Jr. The reason why he makes all those difficult catches is because he practices difficult catches. Yeah, He has someone throw balls in all these awkward positions so that he has to contort his body, so that he has to do all these different things. He's got a pirouette. He's got to do all these different things to make difficult catches. Well, coming through college, I think that's one of the best things that happened to me. I had a wide receivers coach who was once a quarterback. And every day before practice, we had what he called bad ball drills. And that was running at different angles and him throwing us balls that were difficult to catch. And we had to adjust our bodies to making those difficult catches. And yes, to your point or or to your question, I think it is something that you can work on and become better at. Uh, Some guys naturally just have it. But then if you work at it enough, you become better at doing it. And to me, that's, a, that's one of the things that can separate you from the rest of the pack. Your ability to make catches, make difficult catches, your, your ability to show ball skills. All right, so let's obviously at the, the end of the down, you know, when you're, you're pulling the ball and you're finishing a reception, let's take it back to the beginning. And you talk about getting off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is that? And is that something where if you see a young guy that struggles to get off press coverage and struggles to beat corners at the line of scrimmage, is that a, is that a red flag for you? Or is that something that you could say, okay, we could teach this guy and kind of mold different ways that he can defeat press coverage at the line? If you've got good feet, you can learn to get off press coverage. If you got good feet, and that's one of the things you, you that's one of the first, one of the fundamental things that you look for. Um, if you're strong, you can beat sure. press coverage. Yeah. If you've got the the strength to fight guys off, you got you you have good hand to hand skills, you can beat press coverage. Now there's some teaching that goes in with that if you haven't had that, but it really begins with those two things. If you've got good feet, yeah, I can show you how to get off press coverage. If you're really strong and you good with your hands, hand-to-hand combat. They have it in the trenches all the time. Well, there's a, there's a form of hand-to-hand combat on the outside as well where you use your, your arm over technique or you use a SWAT move or you use a forearm to just club a guy get his hands off of you so that you can get parallel with him and get down the field against him. Yeah, and then you talk about just getting into the route and you know the, all the subtleties of route running, whether it's yes. – I mean, you can go on. We could do a whole podcast just on that. Uh, That's a know, beautiful thing. It there's, is. There's nothing better to me than watching a guy who knows how to maneuver a defensive back, knows how to set him up, and knows how to create separation for the quarterback, give the quarterback what he needs because he's able to run a route and work the defender. And it's interesting because some of these guys coming out of college – uh, you see guys that have the ability to be able to do that. You saw at the college level they did it when they were you know, with yes. their college team. Yep. Some guys, 
obviously did not have to do that. You know, you can look at a lot of the different, the top prospects that have come out over the last few years. You could look at Kevin White last year, Mike Evans the year before. Correct. They may have run four or five routes and, and didn't necessarily do it at a very high level. Right. Uh, you know, but they're still getting taken high. How is that something that, you know, I should say, how far back behind the eight ball are those guys when they come to the league? Because obviously you can't always get away with uh, rounding off your routes at the top of your stem and trying to win in a number of different ways that way. Well, they're behind, and, and I think it has a lot to do with the systems that they come out of. And it also, well, in the teaching that they get in those right. systems, if you've got good coaches that know the stuff, then they're going to teach it. But if the coaches don't know it, they can't teach it. And, um, but at this level, you still can learn it. Yeah. If you got people there that know how to teach you the subtleties of running routes and getting open, but it's almost too late then. Yeah. Because right. they don't have time, especially now the way the practices are structured. Mm. It's so hard to have, you know, a 15 minute, even a 10 minute period where you're, you're, you're learning those things. I guess in the OTAs you can work on that stuff or in the off-season programs you can work on that stuff. But once the season starts, it's very difficult to work on those things, those fundamentals, if they haven't already been enforced. What do you think is the uh, – I should say, or what, what was your favorite way to try and separate? There were Obviously, there's all different areas where receivers can try and separate once you get downfield. There's, yep. uh, you know, whether you're working the guy, uh, the, you know, the corner's body, uh, and you're trying to shake him one way and then break out or break opposite. Mm-hmm. There's the, the break point of the route where you really, literally, like the receiver almost comes to a full stop and he might, he might run a stutter go. It might be a dig. It might be a comeback. Yep. Uh, you know, is there – and obviously that, that's beating off coverage as opposed to beating press – what was your favorite way to try and see if you can separate mid-route in terms of trying to gain separation from the corner? Um, various ways. I, I think for me, and one of the things that I used to teach young receivers, um, I don't think you need 100% of your speed on any route except a go route. Right. And then you don't need it all there until you've closed the gap between you and that defender. So – I think in all the routes that you run, a defensive back will never know if you're giving him 100% or if you're giving him 90% or 85%. So in all route running to me, you give him all the motion of 100%, but you're running 85%. That makes sense. And you have a lot more control. Right. Because he can't tell. As long as you've got your head down, you've got your arms pumping, your knees are pumping, a defender cannot tell if you're giving him all of it or if you're giving him a piece of it. So in all route running, unless you're, you're trying to run by the guy, you, you give him 85% so that you're under control, to, so that you can give him the moves that you need to give him. And then at the point where you want to separate, that's when you burst. On a go route, you creep up on him as close as you can get to him at 85%. And then when you get as close as you can before he bails out, then you put it in the high gear. To me, it's it, it, it's not that complicated, but unless you've been taught these things, then you don't know. You run out of control, and you run at, run at 100% on nearly every route, and you, you're just out of control. Sure. It's just not it's just not a smart way to play the game. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here as we continue as we start to wrap this segment up. Mike Quick is building the perfect wide receiver in in his mind, mm. but you have uh. to you have to pick. Certain, and I'm sure if you were building the perfect wide receiver in your mind, you would just look in the mirror. But 
if you have to pick, and we're, we're going to put some traits out here. Yep. Your receiver either has to be a good athlete in terms of quickness, change direction, burst, or he's got to have four three speed. So you either want that that quickness, that change of direction, or the long speed. Which one are you picking? Hmm. This is where the Jeopardy music would come in. <laughs> I think I would want, you know, and I was a long speed guy, but I think I would want the quick guy. Yeah. Yeah, I do. All right. So no, now, I'm sure I would. Okay. I would want the quick guy. All right. So you, quick want, quick, you want the quickness. So uh, forget about the 40 yard dash time. When we're talking about uh, guys at the combine. So now we're talking uh, just in terms of skills. Mm-hmm. Route running mm-hmm. or good hands. If you want a guy that you're you're bringing into your program, do you want a guy who's further along as a route runner or has shown the natural hands and natural ball skills? I should say, uh, you know, at the catch point. Um, I'll take that ball skills guy because I can teach him the other stuff that he needs to know. Especially if he's got the quickness. I can teach him the other stuff that he All needs right. to know. Very interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mike Quick, I appreciate the time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you soon. Friend, this was great, man. Have me back again. <laughs> Definitely. Great stuff from Mike, who, very much like BT, does not have a Twitter account. But if Mike did, I would certainly follow him. But you can always follow me. I'm at FDuffy3. Give me a follow if you like what you're hearing on this podcast. I always put everything out there in terms of all the Eagle Eye in the Sky comms. You can get a jump on each of those comms because I put all of those videos, all of those all 22 snapshots, they all go up on my Twitter page. So you can go on, give me a follow. Uh, I tweet out, like I said, all the podcasts, all the columns that I write, all go up on my Twitter feed. And I always appreciate everybody that gives us love and promotes this podcast on social media. So uh, go on, give me a follow. So uh, any wide receivers? That you like in this draft? I know, obviously, talking to Mike, you guys went in depth talking about the wide receiver, wide receiver position. Tell me some guys that you like coming out in this draft that you know. Obviously, people want us to address. Eagles fans want to address the, the wide receiver position. We obviously can add one. Um, obviously, with Riley Cooper departing, who who are some guys that that fans can watch out for? I know you have some guys earlier, but who are some guys even later? day two that you can obviously look out for. Yeah, and that'll be the interesting thing. I think a lot of people talked about the possibility of a receiver at 13th. You know, I'll, I'll be interested to see that because you took Nelson Aguilar in the first round last year. You took Jordan Matthews in the second and Josh Huff in the third the year before. Could they take one uh, again high in the draft? That'd be very interesting to see. But three guys to me that stand out you know, in this receiver class, you have Tyler Boyd from Pitt who six two, hundred and ninety pounds, definitely the bigger of these three receivers that I want to talk about. And he's got outstanding ball skills and outstanding hands. So we talked earlier with Mike about the difference between hands and ball skills. Boyd has both. He's got the ability to catch the ball, but then also play the ball in the air. He is so good at the catch point. He is so good at his contested situations. He's got a great my ball mentality. I, I think he's got some of the best hands in this draft class as a receiver or as a tight end. Uh, just really outstanding going up and attacking the football. Uh, and really the, the big question with him is his speed. I think he plays pretty fast. And I know I'm in a minority there, but I think he does enough where that he plays fast, where it may not match what his time speed is going to be. He's not a guy that's a burner. He's not as explosive as some of the other guys we'll talk about. But the other big question with him is can he be a consistent route runner? We talked about how important that was with Mike earlier. I think that he's a guy that flashes the ability to be a very good route runner. He sells double moves really well. He does a really good job coming in and out of breaks in terms of his quickness. But I think in terms of nuance, especially on those shorter routes, and they used him in so many different ways for Pitt. You know, they lost James Conner, the, the All-American running back, back, who was yeah. a Heisman finalist the year before. Lost into a knee injury earlier in the year, so he was out. Boyd became their offense, and they, it was 
It was screens. It was jet sweeps. It was at running back. It so was, it was a get wild him the ball cat. In space. Get him the ball. So then oh, his good. yards per catch numbers went down crazy. And it's a really, really low number. I want to say it's under 11 yards, which is a really, really no, low number. But when you're talking about all these targets, it's going to bring your yards it's gonna per bring catch the, Especially because so many of his plays were on those, on those jet sweeps where it wasn't a handoff, but he's running before the snap in front of the quarterback, and, and the quarterback tosses, just tosses so it's a, it. it's a pass. It's a pass, it's and he pass. goes for six yards, and that's going to bring down his but yards really, catch. really what it is, and Andy Reid was great at this, is it was a, mask, it was a way to mask a, a, a run play. Exactly. You know, you're getting six yards on a jet sweep, you know, usually you're not going to get. You're, you're hoping more than four is a win. Exactly right. So and, and so that's a lot of those things bought down his production numbers in terms of his yards per catch and his downfield plays. But I'm telling you, man, he is just so good at playing the ball in the air downfield, and I think he's one of the best. Especially in being six two, that's going to be something that you know that that height, yep. the length will, will definitely be something that's different than a guy like Corey Coleman or Farrell Cooper, who you know who are under six feet. Yeah. Um, so, what do you have about on those guys? All right, so you asked about Coleman and Cooper, and they're two guys a little bit smaller, and we're going to get the official measurements of both those guys next week at the Combine. Coleman is listed 5'10", 190, Cooper at 5'11", 208, and similar type sizes, and I think somewhat similar skill sets too. I think Coleman is much more physically gifted in terms of his athleticism. He's so explosive. He's so quick in and out of breaks. He's got outstanding ball skills as well, and like Boyd, is so good at going up and attacking the football, and that's the good thing about Coleman is, He's got that rare ability to win, you know, win big, quote unquote, and going up and going over defenders, and also win small and being able to separate, uh, you know, with his with his feet and being able to break away from defenders in the middle of the route. He's outstanding after the catch. He's got that breakaway speed. The only thing is in that offense, he ran three or four routes. Didn't always run them necessarily really, really well. He, again, he flashes that great quickness. He flashes the ability to be able to separate, but you just want to be able to see him do it consistently. Variety and then also, exactly, and that's of, the thing. He ran, you know, and, and most of the time, he only ran it from the far left side of the field. So he's going to have to learn to be able to run routes from, from the other, other side. side you know, so that, that, that'll take a little bit of a, Combine you know, will be interesting just watching, oh, yeah. get, getting them outside their comfort zone to do small drills. And exactly. And see how, how, they, how they react to it. No question. And it's the same thing with blocking. And that's, again, that's how they're coached at Baylor. So you don't want to knock them too much because, look, they're taught when the ball is going in the opposite direction, he's taught to literally put his foot in the ground, stop, and watch the play. They don't want them exerting any extra energy because they're going at such a high tempo. They want to run 100-plus plays. They don't want those receivers they're, who are track stars. The play just... If they're going backside, you just stop and watch. You become a spectator. You become a fan. You might as well just grab a Gatorade at that point. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that that's what's really interesting about Coleman. And then we talk about Farrow Cooper, a guy who, again, who's so good after the catch, and he's got that quickness, that athleticism. He's not a blazer like Coleman is. I think he's more quick than fast Cooper. But, again, another guy who's got outstanding hands. He's a good athlete. You know, I think that he's got to work a little bit off getting off press coverage, but very much like Tyler Boyd, and we talk about him being the focal point of that offense, Cooper was very much in the same vein there for South Carolina. They lined him up at quarterback, and he actually threw some passes from the quarterback position, was a wildcat player, lined up as a running back, was in the slot, was out wide, was a return man. A lot of people have made the comparison to a Randall Cobb, and I could see that with Farrah Cooper, a guy who's got that quickness, has the ability to play inside or outside. Uh, very, very interesting trio. Those are three guys that really stand out to me. But uh, let's keep the show going. As you can see, this, this episode is very much wide receiver themed. And I talked with Shea Ejeratutu about some different releases for his press and verse off coverage for a wide out and what goes into both. Talked about it a little bit with Mike earlier. Let's get into that conversation with Shea and two technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for two technique. 
Here now with the Eagles wide receiver, Shea is here at 2-2. And Shea, I think one of the things, one of the aspects of the, the wide receiver position that fans don't fully have an understanding of is really how much time you guys put into your release and uh, how much happens in those first couple steps of the route uh, and how important it is to the rest of the play. Can you just talk about really, I guess you kind of split it up first press and verse off. Yeah. We'll start against off coverage. What are the things that going through your mind as you're lining up before the snap? Uh, as you're lining up, you're seeing where the corner's playing. You're also seeing the relationship of the corner, the safety to dictate what coverage. And then obviously that tells you what your responsibility is as far as whether it's run blocking, running a route, um, what the coverage is where you were, and where you're running the route, really. But obviously if it's press, you want to first look at the distance between you two, uh, know the corner's personality, uh, does he like to quick jam, does he like to move his feet, his hands, just all the stuff you know by film study and preparation. But when attacking it, you have to just have a quick move. You can defeat it, big body, be strong. You know, there's so many different ways to defeat it, but ultimately it's just what route are you running and how and, how and when you want to get open. So if you're going against off coverage, what is the most important thing for? Are you worried about just trying to close that gap as quickly as possible and gain as much ground downfield if you're trying to get a vertical route, or is it more? Uh, you know, what else is it that you could be worried about in that kind of situation? Uh, off coverage, uh, just how they play off. Do they backpedal? Do they backpedal out? Are they patient? Um, you know, there's corners who are patient. There's corners who are like to jump any route if you give them a tendency. But if you're attacking the downfield, it's obviously closing the cushion. Uh, uh, we always say nose to the toes um, and then make your break and just accelerate. And then beating press coverage, what's more important? And this is, I've, I've gotten different answers from people about this. What's more important for a receiver, the hands or the feet when you're trying to defeat press? I've always, taught, I've always been taught the hands are more important, but you can't not think about the importance of the feet. You know what I mean? I feel they both go hand in hand because if you have good feet but no hands, it's, it's not good. If you have good hands but no feet i'm um, saying you can get by but then again you can't live like that especially when defeating press and trying to get open great stuff there from shay he did a great job breaking down the different releases for a wide receiver so i'm going to quickly break down how to subscribe to a podcast if you're listening to this on the eagles app or on the eagles website all you have to do is just go to your phone go to your podcast app go to uh, every smartphone has and any of your devices you're listening on your tablet it's got that as well Search for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast on that, on that podcast app. You hit subscribe, and it comes to your phone each and every week. It's very, very easy. It's the best way to listen to, to, listen to content. You can listen whenever and wherever you want. It's definitely the best way to go. And I, I don't want to waste any more time telling you about it because I want you to listen to the rest of the content we've got for the rest of the show. We've got Saturday Scouting. Let's talk about Jordan Matthews coming out of Vanderbilt. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, so this week on Saturday Scouting, I put this out there for everybody online. And, and really, again, if you want your player of choice to be focused on in this segment, all you have to do is go to our iTunes page or go to our podcast page, rate the show. And it's the best way to, to contribute to the program, best way to support the podcast. Rate the show and leave a comment saying which player you want focused on Saturday Scouting, and we will focus on it. We'll, we'll go back and get our notes from him coming out of college and read that here on the show. But this week I want to focus on Jordan Matthews, and it's, it's an interesting case because obviously he's transitioning into this offense with Doug Peterson uh, and has played mainly in the slot throughout his career. Can he play inside? Can he play outside? He was a second-round pick coming out of Vanderbilt. What was he like as a prospect? Well, he was 6 one so 
Six three and one eighth inches, so a big kid, two hundred twelve pounds, and you know he's been able to use that size to to his advantage at this point throughout his career. He lined up both in the slot and outside at Vanderbilt. I wrote that he had a he was a glider with sneaky downfield speed and was used in the vertical passing game very often. He knows when to hit it full gear and when to throttle down, and he sells double moves very well as a route runner. He has no issues working in the middle of the field and a long kid that maximizes his length consistently in every facet of the game. So, again, he has, has those long arms. He has that long wingspan, and he made that, link, that wingspan work for him in every facet of the game. Attacks the ball in the air and wins at the highest point. He's very capable of winning contested catches, flashes the ability to pluck the ball away from his frame. He's very tough to bring down in the open field and was a big part of the screen game at Vanderbilt and was sneaky good with the ball in his hands after the catch. He is a willing blocker with room to grow. He should be better than he is, but that is not a concern for me at this stage. So those were the positives for me with Matthews coming out of Vanderbilt. And as far as the negatives, he's not truly explosive downfield and is not going to consistently run by NFL corners. I think we've seen that to this point. He's not that guy that's going to be a consistent deep threat, and that's just not the kind of receiver he is. Has some things to clean up as a route runner, was a featured part of the Commodore offense and was extremely productive, but had a good amount of drops and double catches as a senior and as a junior. Flashes the ability to be dominant, but not consistently. Overall, I thought he was a player that can play inside or outside at the next level, and he knows how to use his body to his advantage. He likely won't ever reach elite status at the NFL, but he can be a very effective player, especially in an offense that looks to feed him the football. I think he is a starting quality wide receiver. So definitely a guy that we've seen and some of that I think has come true I think he's gotten better as a route runner I think he's still got I think he still has some room to improve there and obviously the drops have continued to be an issue but something that he certainly is working on at this point in his career so the big question everyone wants to know he played in the slot obviously in a Chip Kelly era do you have an idea of what he can do in the Doug Peterson hybrid West Coast Frank Reich offense you know I think it's a really interesting question and it's one that obviously everybody's focused on you know to me I think that this staff is going to do a really good job of leveraging his skill set to make the mo- and to really use that to its fullest to, to its fullest potential. You know, so they're going to, we're going to see more plays, and, and this is what this is really this speaks to not just Jordan Matthews, but also to Zach Ertz, to Trey Burton, to Darren Sproles, to Ryan Matthews, some of these playmakers in this offense, to Nelson Aguilar, to Josh Huff. There are going to be more plays, in my opinion, in this offensive scheme where they, it, the sole focus of the play call is to get the ball to Jordan Matthews. And that was not always the case with this Chip Kelly offense, where it was we're going to attack what coverage we think that they're playing. We're going to attack where we think that the defense is going to do. Not necessarily, hey, you know what, we've got a 6'3 wide receiver going up against a 5'9 slot corner. Let's focus on getting, getting the match-ups. ball to Jordan Matthews. Let's right. focus on the matchup. I don't necessarily see that as being the case. I think Matthews can win inside. I think he can play outside as well, and I think we'll see that in certain points. Could we see him down in the red zone more on the outside? You know, will we see him by himself out as the XISO receiver? We might see that, you know, and that'll be very, very interesting to watch. I think he'll be a very good fit. Now, will he be the, the 90 catch guy in this offense? I don't know. We've seen that in the past couple of years, his first two years in the league. He's been that type of receiver in terms of production. I don't know that he's going to put up those kinds of numbers. Not that that's a knock on Jordan. I just think he's going to use them differently. Yeah, I think you know? I think everybody's going to just going to be used a little bit differently. So you know, those catches might go to Zach Ertz. Those catches might go to Darren Sproles. Those catches might go to, to Josh Huff. I think you're going to start to see more of those guys. They try as they try and take advantage of matchups across the formation. I think sometimes people get caught up in obviously looking at numbers. I think you have to look at how people got to those numbers. Exactly. You know? If someone has a thousand yards and only caught ten balls. 
that's a, that's a heck of a year. Yeah. If someone has a thousand yards and has caught two hundred balls, that's obviously not as great. You know, so it's how you get yourself those numbers and how they're being used in the scheme. And I'm really interested to see what his role is and obviously what they add around him. And, and are guys interchangeable? Are guys going to stay in one area? But um, just hear what Greg Lewis had to say, the new wide receivers coach, it sounds like they're really going to put in the time and the effort to be interchangeable at a lot of different spots. Yeah, and also fixing the drops was another thing in talking with Greg Lewis mm-hmm. uh, and listening to his interview yep. with Dave Spadaro that you know they were very, very uh, – they were putting an emphasis on, I should say, on fixing those drops. And he said they're correctable. It wasn't something where – you know, Jordan is always at the jugs machine after practice yep. every single week. So it's not like he's not putting in the effort. But um, Greg just talked about small things that – Obviously, just changing the way a guy might think, or you know, sometimes a guy's might have gotten blo- his hand, his face might have gotten blocked by a hand real fast. So it's all about just getting a guy to, to truly concentrate on the ball and watching it. And, and Harold Carmichael, old uh, obviously a great wide receiver here, used to always say, "Look the ball in and then get to your and destination. Don't try and do them both at the same time." So. I'm excited to see what Jordan does, obviously, uh, in a new era uh, with, under Doug Peterson. And what did Mike say earlier in Chalk Talk? He said, you know, that ball skill, when you talk about the difference between ball skills and hands, hands is literally just the act of catching the football. And you could teach anybody That's to catch it. the football. You right. know, so I think that it's definitely something that a person can get better at. And it's definitely something that this, this wide receiver core is going to work on. So that'll be very, very exciting to see. But. Uh, thanks again to Mike Quick. Thanks again to Shea Azure Tutu. And thanks again to all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And if you get the time again, go on, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, shoot me a question. I want to hear from everybody out there and keep everybody happy. So wherever you listen, just go on, shoot us a comment, and we can keep making this show better each and every week. We will be back. In two weeks, again, we're taking another week off here. We've got the Combine next week, so I'll be out in Indianapolis. We'll have the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA throughout the week down there out in Indy. So I'm off next week. We'll be back uh, the week after. I believe that's the first week of March. Until then, for my producer, BT, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.